Good morning, guys. So it's 6:30 a.m. here in Berlin. The streets are caped in snow, and my schedule is jam-packed. Honestly speaking, I woke up at the beginning of the week feeling that end-of-year fatigue when you know you're ready for a break, but there's just so much to wade through before you can get to it. Beyond that. I was feeling in a dark mood, in that tough space where you somehow don't feel aligned with your center. And the problem with that detachment is that it's really hard to tap into that mysterious sense of why which drives you. And it's this sense of why that not only gives meaning to our lives, but is also like a reactor of the spirit. In that, when our energy is low, it provides that thrust to keep us going. There's a beautiful quotation from Nietzsche: "He who has a why to live for can bear almost any how." But the problem is that what the hell do you do when you feel deprived of that sense of why? Now, the reality is that in our working life, there will be many times when we don't feel attached to our sense of meaning. So the question becomes: What? Tools and mechanisms can we use to keep ourselves going? Well, I thought that since these questions are so near to my own experience this week, that I'd share my own approach because it's been well years in the making. So today, I heard some stories and anecdotes from my own life in documentary filmmaking and songwriting, and also how I'm juggling the demands of my freelance life with the demands of my creative life. Now, I want to look at everything specifically through the lens of deep work, which is both a book and a concept made famous by Cal Newport. I read the book last year, and it made such a mark on me. Not just because it's the best and most impactful book on productivity that I've ever read, but also because it formalised an approach to work which I'd been on a journey towards for years. Now I'm going to dive into a few different things which are inspiring me, but I'll keep returning to the concept of deep work and through it explain some of the ideas in the book and how I use them practically. So the funny thing is, guys, I'm in deep work as I speak. It's just hitting 7 a.m., and everything I've written so far that you've just listened to has been written in one session with no browsing, no cups of coffee, and no referencing or notifications. The building block of how I approach my day is based on these half-hour time units, and these half-hour units are defined by concerted bouts of concentration. No fluff, no frills, just the commitment to the thing that is performing. Now, on the surface, this seems so damn obvious, right? Yet, in an age dominated by distraction, it follows that its opposite becomes a superpower. So the point that Cal Newport makes is that if you can harness the superpower of concentration, you immediately set yourself apart. I think it's a very heartening idea, because no matter whether you're starting out in your career or you're further down the line, the capacity to develop better your concentration is available to you. It's a wonderfully democratic idea. It's not a superpower you must be born with. It's simply a decision. Are you going to go hell for leather in developing it or not? 
And one of the things that I've loved in my life is that with the many issues one can have about the world, your circumstances, or the state of society, here is an idea you can control and which is ever available to you, wherever you are and whoever you are. And I think in a society where it's become a part of the culture to make excuses, you don't get to make excuses about concentration. It's up to you. It's not about mum or dad or Apple or TikTok. It's about you. Are you going to take back control of your mind? Are you going to access the superpower that is within you? Do you have the guts to recognize that concentration is a superpower that you can start to harness right here, right now? Now, anyone that follows me knows that another of my life books, my life Bibles, if you like, is Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor E. Frankl. In it, he writes, The last of the human freedoms is to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances to choose one's way. I look at this line as a gift from a man who endured hell in order to give it to us. So when I woke at the start of the week, struggling psychologically with being overwhelmed and detached from a sense of meaning, I thought of Frankel's words. Because in a difficult circumstance, you have the power of choice over your own attitude. It doesn't matter the level of pain. There is a potential in you to access, a potential that is uniquely yours and which can't be taken away. Now, this podcast is about one's working life, but in relation to Frankel, I want to offer an idea beyond what Cal Newport talks about in Deep Work, and it's that the power to concentrate one's mind is a spiritual discipline. And if you start trying to exercise it in the context of your work, it will not only impact what you're setting your mind on, but more importantly, it will start affecting the way that your mind itself functions. So guys, a quick note before carrying on. Last night I had the creative entrepreneur Josh Spector onto the podcast. Now, Josh was one of the people I was most excited to speak with when I started earlier in the year. I mention this now for two reasons. First, it's I'm so excited to share this video with you. For me, it's hard to imagine how an hour could be more fun or impactful at the same time. But the second relates to today's theme, deep work. So one of the things I'm so impressed by with Josh is the sheer quantity of digital courses he's produced. I wanted to ask him about this process because making a digital course is both an aspiration and a pain point of mine. Simply put, I've had it on my list to make a course all year and even made several starts. However, it's one of the things that's just got away from me in 2023. Now, Josh is a world expert in getting things done. And by done, I really mean done. Written, created, recorded, shipped. And Josh gave me three bits of advice, which I think are really worth sharing here. First, have the end in mind. Second, know your deadline. Third, ship it. Now, I'm implementing Josh's advice in this podcast script this morning. I'd started writing it earlier in the week, and despite wanting to write about deep work, I veered into a tirade against grind culture and got lost in hours of research about the relevance of the Paleolithic rhythm to modern man. 
faced this morning with my mountain of client deadlines before the week's end, I realized I drifted far from my topic. It was too long-winded, and with the podcast scheduled for release this Saturday, I needed to get it done. So this morning, I started again with much stricter parameters to keep the end in mind, deliver on the topic of deep work, and to work towards the deadline of writing, recording, and scheduling the podcast in one sitting. Now, Josh's advice has given me the framework with which to get the podcast made, but the blueprint of knowing how to get it done was provided by Cal Newport's idea of deep work. This concept of deep work directly addresses one of the great hang-ups we have in our working life, procrastination. But the paradox is that we procrastinate not because we can't get stuff done, but because we've got used to the habit of never bookending our work. My takeaway from my conversation with Josh was to always ask myself the question, what am I trying to complete? The problem with the modern world is that we're always multitasking. And the problem with multitasking is that we live in a universe of open tabs, incomplete tasks, and forever projects. So ask yourself two questions. What the hell am I trying to complete? And when the hell am I going to complete it? What I love about Josh's approach is that he makes himself utterly accountable to himself. But more than that, he's always moving forwards. And the problem so many of us have, and I've written about this extensively on my Substack, is that we are weighed down by what I call albatross projects, those forever projects which become so vast and without end that we never complete them. The beauty of the deep work approach is that it's a way to go to war with a part of the human spirit that never wants to complete stuff. So Cal Newport defines deep work as a professional activity performed in a state of distraction-free concentration that pushes your cognitive abilities to their limit. So the state of mind you bring to the task is everything. We tend to avoid something because we know it's going to be difficult. The concept of deep work is about facing the difficulty head on and leaning into it. It's about understanding that if something is cognitively challenging, there is no way to tackle it other than to bring your best energy and your full mind. Now guys, it doesn't matter if you're a solopreneur or a creative. This state of mind is the threshold where in my experience in life, progress is made. And don't be put off by the science book language of cognitive states and so on. What we're talking about here is the business of how we get stuff done. The business of how we get things made. For me, the interesting thing is that this applies as much to the arts as to business. When I'm writing a new album, I try to give myself the best possible circumstances to get into a flow state as often as possible. Now what this means practically is waging a war on comfort and distraction and putting myself into the circumstance which will most likely coax me into the flow state. That means going to my rehearsal room daily, a dark room where there is no internet, no coffee, no distraction. 
It's not always fun and very often I will resist even going there. But once I do go there, the circumstances themselves produce the writing. The paradox is that in order to get to the song, you need to first embrace a state of, inverted commas, boredom. We want distraction because we're afraid of boredom. Why? Well, because before you reach a flow state, you have to go through a threshold of nothingness. And it's a deeply uncomfortable state because before creativity, there's always confrontation. Confrontation with self, confrontation with being, confrontation with the void. But as Shakespeare put it, nature abhors a void. But the problem in modern life is that we're terrified of encountering this void. The point I'm making is that deep work isn't a philosophy dictated by a professor. It's a way of being to get you to the creative threshold at the edge of your being. Concentration is a superpower. But what makes it a superpower is that it's not easy to yield. But what we're afraid of isn't as scary as it seems. It's just ourselves. You have to remember that the act of creation happens in the void. In that, the biblical creation story is so utterly compelling as an act of poetry. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty and darkness hung over the surface of the deep. So remember, it's not creation itself which is uncomfortable, but the act of putting oneself into the space where creation is possible. Committing to deep work is about the mental commitment to show up in the difficult space. At the start of my week, despite feeling out of kilter with myself, I knew that the only way out was in. You have to go into the dark to get out. It's why I often talk about the idea of reckless faith in my writing. Because for me, the act of creativity has always been my guide through the darkness. But the paradox is you must venture out without knowing if you will find your way through. That's the blind commitment the gods ask you for before they reward you with a song or a film or a thriving business for that matter. Joseph Campbell recounted a bit of advice given by a native Indian to his son at the time of his initiation. It reads, as you go the way of life, you will see a great chasm, jump. It's not as wide as you think. So the point is that there is always a great chasm between where you are and where you want to be. You have no choice but to jump. It's in the jumping itself that you express your commitment to the gods. And it's through that commitment that they deem you worthy of what you seek and reward you with the finding of it. So guys, it's 9am and I'm two hours into writing this script now and I'm in the zone. Now, I want to quickly give you a sense of how I get into the zone. So here are my six steps. First, I turn off the internet. Second, I set the timer to half an hour. Third, I have a clear objective in mind of what I'm doing. Fourth, I do not assume that I will get into the flow state, but I commit to the act of showing up for it. Five, 
This is a sacred space where I'm putting my energy into what I want to give to the world. I don't stop for anything during this time. Six, I will commit to four time blocks in a row, that's of half an hour, with a short gap in between. The four blocks are important because even if you're feeling resistant to your task, if you have the courage to sit in the time, you will make progress. For me, I'm never interested in the quantity of time I work. It's always about the quality. If after my first four time blocks, that is two hours in, I've hit creative flow, then I will stay in there for a further two hours. I will almost always be exhausted after this time because I'm literally in deep work. That is an intense and focused state of mind. Now, in comparison to the obsession with the quantity of hours popularized by the absurd myth of grind culture, I am always about quality. If I've worked for four hours in high intensity, I know my body will start shutting down. So I complement deep work with its total opposite, deep rest. For me, there is no deep work without deep rest. In fact, I'm probably the laziest productive person you've ever met. Because after deep work, I will give in utterly to everything my body wants. That means food, rest, sleep, browsing, whatever the hell it is that you're into. The point of deep work isn't to live like a monk. It's to discover the best of you in relation to the world. So why do I go into deep rest? Simple, because by going into deep rest, I reboot myself and give myself the opportunity for a second bout of deep work in the day. My motivation is never to work as much as possible. On the contrary, my motivation is that I know I'm happiest and most fulfilled when I get to the end of my day and have expressed my creative potential to the very best of my ability. For me, I know with absolute certainty that for my body, the state of peak creativity lasts around four hours. Personally, my working rhythm is focused far more on doing less than doing more. It's the reason I'm so interested in Paleolithic life and how mammals evolved. I might actually do another podcast on that, but the point that is clear to me is that the entire structure of working life devised by the Western system is utterly bonkers. As Blake said, you must develop your own system or be enslaved by another's. So guys, I'm going to leave it there for today. There's so much more that I'm excited to share and explore about deep work with you, but I've realized that I want it to be an ongoing conversation and I really do mean conversation. What I've realized about podcasting is that it's an opportunity to get closer to the people who follow my work. So if you've got any questions on deep work or how I implement it in relation to my freelance documentary or musical lives, please drop a line, whether it's in a comment here on Instagram, Twitter or Substack. Finally, I want to leave you with a short story, which I hope can serve to encourage you with whatever it is you're facing at the moment. So this week, after four years of work, I completed my new documentary, The Isolation Diaries. It's been such a long labor of love and has been one of the biggest projects I've ever undertaken. I will dive into its details about how I made it another time. But for now, I want to share that long form projects are hard. There have been many times I've hit a wall when I felt like I would never finish it, but I've persevered and I've got there. So here are three reflections. First, 
With a great undertaking, remember that time is on your side. You may not have the resources, you may not have the right conditions, but you have your vision and you have your spirit. Some projects just take the time they take. Keep in there. In a world committed to the bite size, you follow your uniqueness by exercising the crazy courage to dream. Second, the act of finishing something is a reward in itself. You will never know if what you're working on will have worldly success, but you can guarantee that you get the spiritual reward that comes through the act of completing something. In my experience, often the reward we seek is not the one that we get, but it is far greater than the one we sought after in the first place. Do not underestimate the boon that comes simply from finishing stuff. Stick the course. Third, when it comes to big projects, consider applying some of the tips that I've discussed regarding deep work. With every step of this documentary, I've tried to lean into the best of me. That means committing to the details over and over and over. What you create will be imperfect. You will be frustrated. You will be discouraged. But through the act of trying to give your best over and over, and imperfect as it is, you make something that is so much more than any act of perfection ever could be. Rather, it's an act of expression. That is, your spirit made manifest and offered to the world. That is beautiful, scary, and rewarding. And in its combination, meaningful. Not just for yourself, but potentially for others too. Keep going. Keep believing. There's good stuff out there for you, more than you can possibly know. Right, I've got to get to the studio and get this recorded. With love, my friends, and thank you as ever for your support. And if you do have a moment, please drop a review. It helps the podcast so much, and it really would mean the world. Have a great weekend, everyone, and see you next time. Bye.